today, I want to take you back to 1956 and tell you a story about a man named Pragyaratna Tuladhar, a Nevada trader from Kathmandu who lived in Lhasa for three years trading uh, at the height of the disturbance against the Chinese. Pragyaratna, uh, he arrived in Lhasa in 1956 as a 14-year-old boy. Uh, he told me there was no electricity, so the radios were powered by batteries that were as big as today's car batteries. We'd shut our shops by six in the evening. Sometimes we'd go for a walk around the Barkhor. But Wednesday evenings were for Binaka Gitmala, he told me. And, uh, a radio show that record, that played Hindi songs. Pragya Ratna had grown up around brothers, cousins, and relatives who had all been to Lhasa to trade. His cousins ran the Ghoreshyar trading house from the corner of Abako Street Square in Lhasa, dealing in everything from textiles to watches to par- and Parker pens. I was told going to Lhasa was one big adventure, and you didn't know whether you'd return or not, he told me. At 78 years old, he's still agile despite his age. It is clear that his time in Lhasa was a formative period, the one that shaped his worldview. In one old grainy picture, now posted on a social media group, he stands in a roof in Barkhor, wearing a double-breasted Kashmir suit, wide-legged pants fluttering in the wind. I struggled to find a resemblance between the confident man I met and the shy boy in the photograph, hands in his pockets and a curious look in his eyes. 14 or 15 of us sat in the back of a truck on top of bales of cloth, Pragyaratna remembered. It took us nine days to get to Lhasa from Fari, near the border. By the time Pragyaratna left in 1956, China had already graveled the road from Fari to Lhasa, substantially reducing the travel time. Life in Lhasa seemed to follow a standard routine. There were about 30 to 40 Nevar establishments from Kathmandu, he recalled. The stores would open at 7 a.m. with midday breaks until the evening. Pragya Ratna learned basic Tibetan, which allowed him to communicate with customers at the shop, but he hardly interacted with them otherwise. When he had time, he would read Hindi novels his cousin had brought to Tibet. Otherwise, they would go for picnics. Nights were reserved for Mahjong, which the traders often played all night long. At this time, Tibet had already come under the communist China, after the 17-point agreement signed between the communists and the Tibetan government in 1951. Pragya remembers seeing no Chinese civilians. All of them were military uniforms. Relations between the Tibetans and the Chinese had not come to a head in Lhasa. All the clashes had already broken out in Kham, and some of the Khampas had begun to stream into the capital. Pragyaratna recalled that the Chinese soldiers had a fondness for watches. The best watches at the time came from Western and Roma, he told me. I sold several to the Chinese, but I didn't see even one of them wearing them. I don't know what they did with them, he chuckled. The soldiers also came to ask for 51, the Parker 51 fountain pen, billed as the world's most wanted pen at the time. Pragyaratna's recollection, the Chinese did not bother the Nepali traders at all. Instead, they were invited to be part of Chinese celebrations and events. The Chinese invited all the traders to the founding anniversary of the PRC in 1957, he remembered. They did the march pass, left, right, left. When they saw us Nepalese, they started to clap. One general gave a speech, which I didn't understand because it was in Chinese. 
Then, uh, a couple of years later, in 1959, one night, the night of 19 March 1959, Pragya heard the first gunshots. He had been sleeping with his brother when his brother woke him up to say the shooting had begun. A few days earlier, on 10th March, a massive demonstration of Tibetans had attempted to stop the 14 Dalai Lama from attending a performance at the Chinese military headquarters. The Niva traders in Lhasa had already barricaded themselves inside their homes in the preceding days. Tragaratna recalled seeing one of the biggest demonstrations of Tibetans on one of those days. They were all speaking in Tibetan, so I couldn't understand them, but that was the first demonstration by Tibetans I ever saw in Lhasa. At Ghoishat, the Tuladas had used the bales of cloth and whatever they could lay their hands on to fortify their doors and windows. The others had done the same. All of us Nevas decided we would be responsible for our own protection and we would not let any outsider enter. Pragya Ratna and his brethren cowered inside their homes. We didn't step out anyway. We didn't even look out of the windows. He thought the Chinese took care not to bomb the areas where the Nevas lived. Instead, they kept firing from above our rooftops. The excitable lad that he was, Sagaratna walked up to the roof, bullets whizzed all around him. I took shelter behind the roof's walls. That night, when he went to the toilet, which is inside the courtyard itself, the house shook from a frightening explosion. I peeked out the window and saw that the pagoda of the similar Sarthabahu temp temple in Barkhor outside had collapsed. We got really lucky the bomb didn't fall on us. The Lhasa rebellion was quelled in 46 hours and 50 minutes. But in that time, history had been made for better or worse.